This episode is powered by denmeditation.com with locations in Los Angeles that normalize meditation and make it available to all. Though meditation is the primary focus, the bigger goal is for people to understand and love themselves, thus creating more harmony in the community at large. To find out more about Den Meditation's teacher training programs, retreats, and all things Den Meditation, go to denmeditation.com. Welcome to Den Talks Podcast. This is Tal, and I'm here with Sarah Shahi today. Gorgeous actress, fun friend, a mom of three, wife of 16 years. We have so much to cover, and she is honest about it all. She's also a meditator and comes regularly to the Den as well. But what's interesting, it's about three years ago, she kind of really started honing her studies and kind of her inspiration of spirituality and how to bring it into her life every day. But she does tell us stories how, since she was a kid, how this stuff has always been around her and the way she thought and all these amazing kind of crazy stories. But if you have trouble letting go, this episode is for you. With everything going on in her life and trying to keep a career going, which she does very well, and have her relationship going, she's kind of learned how to let go and surrender and be in the moment and trust that the universe is working for her. And that is really difficult to do. And she gives us so many quotes, so many things to ponder and ways that you can actually start learning how to do it. I really hope you like this episode. We are here with Sarah Shahi, a mom, actress, and a friend Mm. who you may know from the L word, fairly legal, person of interest, and most recently Reverie on NBC. She's from a small town, Euless, Texas. She's a mother of three. I can't wait to chat about that. (laughs) Um, And she's a regular meditator and a spiritual seeker. I feel like when you and I are together, we talk forever about everything. Everything. I'm excited for you guys to actually be able to listen to it. Yeah. So you are like, when do you feel like for you, your quote unquote seeking began? Like, were you always like that as a child or was there a moment in your life you remember all of a sudden trying to look for different answers? Yeah. Well, you know, ever since I was a kid, I would have these, um, I would have visions. I would have, uh, I, I constantly saw these pictures of, um, and I remember exactly what it was. It was, it, it was almost like a Joan of Arc kind of vision. I had this vision I was in, I knew it was me, but it was this woman who was in like, you know, chain metal armor, head to toe. And that's amazing. was such a warrior. And I, it, you know, I had never seen Joan of Arc. I was like four or five when I started having these, like just, just constant visions in my, in the backs of my eyes. So like you could be doing, would it be like, you were just randomly playing or something and you'd have it or was it I was in the shower. I was, yeah, I was just anywhere. And, and it was, it was just like a picture. Like I was staring at a photograph in my mind's eye all the time. So I feel like I always had a, you know, obviously there's some kind of association I have with that, but like whether it was that specific thing or if it was just trying to like be in tune with, you know, the, the third eye with the pineal gland, like I always just saw something. And then, um, and then my, okay, so this is kind of weird. My, um, <laughs> I love it. Yeah, this Start is Start off strong. Yeah, so my dog, I was very close to my dog. And mm-hmm. I still haven't come across anything, whether or not animals like reincarnate <laughs> or animals. Like, I, I'm not sure what that is. But so I was very close to uh, this Jack Russell Terry I had named Eddie. And Eddie, um, he was dying and I was in New York filming a person of it. I was, this is just a few years ago. I was 33 and, um, I was in New York filming person of interest and my mom FaceTimed me and said, you know, 
you need to say goodbye because he's he's dying. And I was on the I was on the phone with him for about three hours. Oh my god! And I was just the basket case, and and that dog was so many firsts for me. You know, he was like my first love. He was just my first my first like boyfriend. Like that dog was yeah, just everything. He was everything. very very protective. Like we just loved each other endlessly. And um, I remember. And then I went okay. So that night I went to bed. And I remember there was this, and I was in New York. I, there was like this huge, like thunderstorm. And I remember I looked up and I saw my drapes were like, were blowing in the wind. And I was like, oh, that's so strange. And then I got up, but then I turned around and I saw myself sleeping. And I was like, that's, and, and it wasn't spooky, but it was just like this acknowledgement. I was like, oh, okay, I'm sleeping. Oh, I'm not in my body. Oh, right. Okay. Let me go turn, let me go. Uh, shut the windows. And the next thing I know, Eddie showed up in my apartment and he looked young and he looked spry and he brought this uh, little greenie that I always used to give him. And he was just running all around the apartment. And I remember I was like, oh my God, what is mom talking about? Like, you're great. You're fine. (laughs) And so I was chasing him all around the apartment. And meanwhile, I would, I would look, look back at and watch myself sleep. And, um, next thing I know, I went down this hallway and there was a mirror and I look in the mirror and I have two black eyes and I was like, Whoa. And that kind of took my attention away from Eddie at the moment. And the next thing I felt, I felt like someone shoved me. I felt this like intense, like fast pressure right in my chest and my alarm clock went off and I woke up. And I jolted out of bed. Oh my God. And I, I, I looked all around for him. I was like, he was just here. He was here. Where was he? It was, was there so like a real. moment of like sad disappointment when he wasn't there. Well, you know what it was? It was confusion. Yeah. I was so confused. And then I got up, I looked in the mirror and my eyes were swollen shut. I had cried the entire night to the point where my eyes were like crusted over. We, we delayed filming that day for three hours because the makeup artist had to put so many things <laughs> on my eyes. But that was... You know, that was like my and they're first- they're like, what happened to you last night? You're like, a dream. A dream, yeah. <laughs> but and no, I, I, it was just strange because I knew, you know, I was like, oh, that was an out-of-body experience. So then I started researching just out-of-body experiences and what it felt like and, you know, everything. It was just that feeling of kind of levitating and seeing myself. And then that, that force when you get thrown back into your body, how it just feels like someone shoves you. And so that I was like, oh my gosh, like that actually happened to me. So from, let's say, the Joan of Arc yeah. to this, is that when what kind of re-stimulated you being like, okay, there's some deeper questions I want to answer, or were you always... Well, there was always... Okay, so then it happened uh, three years ago. It happened three years ago. My dad died, and my dad and I were never close. He was a drug addict. He was an alcoholic. Um, he was a gambler, and he left my mother when I was eight. It was the day my mother went into the hospital to give birth to my sister. My dad disappeared. And then I didn't see him for like eight years after eight years old. Yeah. Yeah. So I grew up fast. I grew up fast. I was in charge of my sister. I was in charge of a lot of things when my mom had to like work and, you know, pay the bills. Were you resentful of your mom at all? Or did you have an awareness? It wasn't because I always wonder that like, you know, as adults, we can look back and be like, oh shit, that was really hard for my parents. or that was really hard for my mom. Like, she didn't have support and she had to pay the bills and keep us fed. Yeah. But as a kid, sometimes you're like, where the fuck are you? Why am I home alone? Why am I doing all this? Why right. are you here for me? Like, where do you feel like you fell in? You know, I felt like, you know, for whatever reason, I had so much understanding of what my mom was going through. 
and I never made her feel bad for it. There were times where I, you know, one of the issues that I feel like I'm working out as an adult is I always thought my dad left because of me, like I did something wrong. So I remember every time I did see him, I tried to be perfect. Right. I tried to be, you know, I wanted to sit in his lap and I wanted to call him daddy and I just wanted him to love me. So maybe this time he wouldn't leave, you know? So. And how often would you see him? I saw him. I would see him. Let's see. Okay. Um, maybe once every two to three months, he would come in town for like a weekend. And then my mother would never cry in front of us. Amazing. She would never cry in front of us. She was always so strong. She always had a smile on her face. Um, Yeah. It's like, I don't know how she did it. I mean, there are times, you know, it's like, I have three children. My mom had three too, but we were all eight years apart. Right. And I have three young children and, you know, going through some of the relationship shit that I'm going through, like, and then, yeah. And then trying to mom through all that stuff and be a mother. It's hard. It's so hard. There are so many days where I don't want to mom. You know, I'm like, wow. How or did- while you're momming, like all of a sudden you're short or like you're like you, you, what you said, what your mom did is like keeping this personal experience she's going through away from you. Oh my god! And gosh. still creating this like little beautiful bubble. She for created you guys. such a bubble. Yeah. And, and no resentment towards your dad. I mean, outward. Um, I'm you not know, saying in general. Yeah, sure yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, exactly. Exactly. No outward resentment. And, and that's and, so and, many and parents was, do that to their kids. I know. And there was a point in time where I remember when I started, when I was about 13, 14, and I really understood like who, you know, the parent that was staying was my mother. You know, he was the one who was fucked up and he was the one who left. And and I remember I didn't want to talk to him. Anytime he would call or he'd want to pick up my sister and I, I was like, no, I don't want to go. And my mother would make me go. She would say, honey, at the end of the day, that's your father. You need to at least go say hello. Like, you need to at least answer the phone. You need to do this. You know, that's your father. Why did he leave? Do you know? Like, did you ever? He was just really fucked up. He was just, you know, his first love was always drugs and alcohol. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And so my, you guys don't fit in very well. No, 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 no. But you know what that did to me, too, is like, I never even, I couldn't even take an aspirin until I was 21. You know, I was just so hyper, just tried to become everything he wasn't. He was a, he was a great example like for when me. When did you, did you, when did you start drink Like, and I mean, socially drinking, yeah, yeah, like, yeah. is that a hard thing I for was, you? I was, uh, I was 21 years old. Wow. I mean, that's late. That's I mean, even late. though that's when we're legal, most that's of us totally, that's totally late. And the only reason was because I ran into an ex-boyfriend in Vegas and I was like, I think this is when people say I need a drink. <laughs> and I was like, I'll take seven of them. <laughs> oh, I don't even want to know how that first one went down. Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, yeah. And you know, it's interesting because I, I spent so many years like resenting my dad, but then I look back and it's like from a kid, I had such an example of what I didn't want to be so early on. And I think that that could be what kept me from going down the road that so many people do go through when they're yeah. teenagers, you know? Cause it is interesting. You weren't masking your pain the same way he was like, you weren't drinking or do, I mean, they always, usually a lot of psychiatrists are like, Oh, kids like that. They either turn to drugs right. sex, or like worse, even like self-mutilation. Like it's one usually. Right. Right. So it's pretty amazing that you didn't like, yeah, did it come out know. in anger for you or? Um, I think, no, I mean, I really kind of credit that to my mom for being so, such a warrior and for always making us feel like we were no less than any of the other kids just because we didn't have a mom and a dad. You know, like if, if there was anything uh, the boys could do, I could do it just as well as they could, if not better. You know, she never let me underestimate 
myself or our family for what it was. Oh, you feel so lucky. I mean, ev- anyone who listens to this podcast regularly probably hears me like, I never shut up about how I think my mom was so amazing too. Yeah, and yeah. Like, and I'm so thankful for so much strength that she gave me. Yeah. Which I mean, I was always thankful for, but really now, especially like through the Me Too movement and all yeah. of that stuff, I'm like, oh God, that's missing from so many relationships like that giving a woman or a girl that strength and confidence and independence, um, doesn't happen all the time. And I don't think we realize how often it doesn't happen until now we're older and we see the effects where you actually talk to people. A lot of people don't, that's a huge gift. Yeah, no, it was huge. It was huge. And, you know, I, I mean, of course it manifested itself in other ways, like me as an adult in relationships, like not thinking that I'm not good enough and, you know, separation and constantly wanting like men's validation. Like, of course that worked its way into my psyche in other gloriously fucked up ways. But, um, (laughs) we'll we'll dig into those. Yeah. We'll dig into those too. Yeah. So when, so then your dad, you were, so, you were telling the story. Yes. And okay. I the second, of- the, when, when my spirituality really came full force. Um, so my dad died three years ago and, um, it was two days before father's day and I had just given birth to my twins and I, you know, I got a phone call from a family friend saying he, he's, he's, he's gone. And, um, I didn't realize how affected I would be. I remember I went to Texas, I buried him. And when I, I walked into the room where they were, I wanted to see him before we buried him. And, um, I've also, ever since I was little, I've had this like morbid fascination with death. I don't know what it is. In what way? What happens to the body when you die? What happens after you die? How long does it take for a body to decompose? Was there something that like spurred that interest? Like did someone in your family die or? Nothing. I just started asking questions. I just came into the world like that. Like I just wanted to know, like how long does it take for the body to decompose? That's an interesting question. And what's rigor mortis? (laughs) And can I go to a morgue? Like do they smell? Do they get stiff? Like just- You've always just had that curiosity. Yeah. Any fear tied to that or no? Just always just curiosity. Uh, well, now that I've become more spiritual, I don't have any more fear about that. Um, but I did when I was younger. So a lot of these yeah. questions were coming from fear too. A lot of them were coming from fear. And yeah, like, is this it? Is this the only lifetime? Is this, you know? I used to have that same thing of, there was a period, I think my uncle, who I wasn't close to, so yeah. it's, it wasn't even like a huge emotional thing. Yeah. And I was young. I was probably like, seven or six or eight, I don't know, somewhere in there, six to eight, let's say. And he passed away and it just, same thing. It just started making me ask a lot of questions. And all of a sudden the idea, I kept just picturing being buried and having no thought, like being like, okay, but you're dead. So it's okay. But I'm like, but then what, where are your thoughts? Like, what are your thoughts? And I started doing that. So then I started being like, well, you have no thoughts. So then the idea of picturing of having no thoughts and then the idea of like infinity. You were totally like teaching yourself oh but about all this. It was a few years of like, I would start thinking of the idea of infinity mm-hmm. and the idea of no thoughts and nothingness. And again, at a very young age, now when I think about it, I have a way different understanding of what sure. that would be, yeah. which is less fearful. I mean, the panic would set in. Oh, I remember wow. I was at sleepovers and all of a sudden like, I'd pop up and be like awake by myself. <laughs> I mean, we're all going to die. And what happens to our thoughts? Yes. I remember being <laughs> in the back of, remember those old station wagons, like driving yeah, back yeah, from yeah. dinner. And I was like in the trunk area and thinking about it and like all of a sudden like climbing over the seats to like get closer to everybody. Cause right. just, it was like the minute I really got into the headspace, yeah. nothingness. Right. 
which is brings us kind of to meditation. It's like yeah, yeah. actually brought on panic. It was actually fa- so I get it. Like That's it's, interesting. And it is weird at a young age if you start thinking about that yeah. stuff because we're not yet, especially with the way society was equipped to understand it. That's right. It. But it's interesting because it, re- it. I think it begs the question: Well, then, how do we get these thoughts? Where do they come from? I know. You know, and and the more I learn, I choose to believe that it comes from you know previous lifetimes and you know all that other stuff. Um, but, uh, but yeah, so he, he died and I, um, I started feeling him around and I just, I remember I would change my twin's diaper and go, oh, he's in the room. Now, just to back up for a second, yeah. when he died at this point, cause I know you and I've spoken about this before. Yeah. You were very estranged. Like you did not, I hadn't cut spoken him, to him, him, in, cut him off for a while. Yeah. I hadn't spoken to him in 13 years. Right. So it's 13 years. So you kind of in your head are like, okay, it's a thing. He died. You're not necessarily emotionally reacting well, at this I, point. Well, I was surprised by how much it took me over. Like when I went to go bury him, I took pictures with me. I wrote him a letter. Um, you know, I, I talked about my children in the letter that I read to him. And uh, I was, I don't know, I was really gobsmacked by how much his death like put me on my knees. And you had like kind of an emotional, you were with your mom and sister, right? I was with my mom and, and my sister. My brother was, was off. He was in the army. And, um, so yeah, I mean, my, the, the girls, we were, we were thicker than thieves. Like we slept together. I slept with my mother and my sister till I was 18. You know, it was like, we were, we were so strong. We were each other's strength. And I never thought that I would react like this, you know, when he passed. And so I started feeling him and, um, and then I was like, oh, this is interesting maybe I could have a relationship with him now. So I started talking to him and, um, and then I would dream about him. And I remember I used to always either see the back of his head or I would see him from his legs down, but I could never see his face. And I always wanted to see his face. And then one day I did this play over at UCLA and I was really, really nervous. And the night before I went up, I had a dream I was on stage. And uh, one of the things I always wondered about my dad, because we didn't talk for so long, he threatened to kill me a lot, which is why I finally cut off contact with him because he wanted so much money and I knew he wanted it for drugs. So I didn't want to give it to him for that. Um, I always wondered if he knew how much I really loved him and how I did try to help him so many times, but he just didn't want it. And so I had this dream the night before I, I went on stage at UCLA and I had a dream I was on stage and I look over at the crowd and there he is. And he's young and he's vibrant and he's got the mustache and, and he looks like how he did when he was like 20. And I look at him and I go, dad. And he looked at me and he just nodded his head and I went, I love you. And then he nodded his head again. And then I said, and I'm so sorry. And he kind of looked at me perplexing, like, you know, how come? And I said, I'm just, I'm so sorry for everything. And then he nodded and then he disappeared. And the next. So you really got to like share your piece. Oh my gosh. I had full on closure and I woke up that morning and my pillow was completely soaked. And I looked over at Steve and I went, I just went somewhere. I just had closure with my dad. I knew I had met his soul in some place and he got it. He got everything I was trying to tell him. And that night I went on stage. I'd never been in a play before. And I got a standing up and I killed it. And it was, yeah, so that was just, um, and then, and, and then, okay, so that, so that kind of ties into my professional work a little bit too, because it's hard for me. I'm a Capricorn. It's really <laughs> hard for me to separate my 
personal and my professional life. They bleed into each other way more than I would like for them to, but I'm so attracted to bringing those two worlds together. Um, I read the script for this thing called Reverie, and it was the story about a woman who loses her sister and her niece, and uh, she has to she's dealing with grief and she's traveling to these alternate realities to save people. They're getting stuck in these worlds and she has to bring them back. And so I just really felt connected that at that point in my life, I needed to tell, I needed to, I needed to explore this. I needed to explore grief. I needed to explore what it meant traveling to another world. Um, and it just started opening my eyes in so many ways. Um, it's like amazing that, your job is in a great way making you think and, you know, it's thought provoking for you and then it's causing action. So then did you start like doing, were you like researching and looking and finding after yeah. that? Yeah. Well, it's interesting because, you know, the more I've learned about myself, the more I get out of my own way, <laughs> the more that's the I'm, key, right? that's the key, the more I'm open. So it's like things would just find me, you know, whether it was friends suggesting, um, I think it could have been around the same time that I, I possibly connected with you and we were taught, I was like, Oh, the den, you know, and it was just, um, but yeah, friends would start, you know, I'd get books that would just be handed to me about meditation or about, um, spirituality. Um, and, and again, you know, I was on my own natural path because of everything that had happened to me. And I had always had a sense of cosmic influences, yes. you know? And so, um, and I don't know. And I was always raised with this idea that you could, you could get whatever you wanted. If you created it, if you worked hard, if you thought about good things, you know, if you vibrated at a certain level, it could come to you. That's amazing too. You know? So it's like, I was always kind of living parallel to these thoughts, you know? It's like you were innately doing a lot of this stuff. You didn't necessarily understand what it was, but you were doing it. Yeah. And, and I don't know. And, and so it all just kind of, it's like all my roads led me down this path. And, and I also feel like the older we get, you know, as adults, we go through shit <laughs> and, you know, I've gone through so much shit, you know, whether it's with, you know, personally, you know, I've been married for 16 years. That's incredible. <laughs> and I, I know, I don't know. It's, it's a lot. I don't know if it's incredible, but it's a long time. And especially in Hollywood, that's a long time, you know, How, very long. How do you feel like I mean, you've changed a lot since 16 years ago yeah. as like a human, especially with kind of all these things that have been happening to you. Yeah. What do you feel like the biggest change for you, not just in the relationship, but as a yeah. human, what do you feel like you do differently now, especially now that you've kind of been more on this path than you did before? Oh gosh, tall. You know, that answer changes every day. Really? <laughs> I literally sometimes I feel like I'm a schizophrenic person because I wake <laughs> up and each day could possibly be a different person. Um, I know just in terms of relationship speak, like the thing that really changed us was having kids. Having kids really walk, rocked our dynamic. I think, you know, a mother, I, I think it starts, I think it starts early with women. I think, you know, when I was pregnant, I already sent, I felt that sense of responsibility. I felt this this idea that I was a vessel. I felt the sacrifices. I felt all that stuff from the get-go. I think with um, men, it can be, it's not as instinctual for men. I think they have to learn it. And we, we definitely went through some growing pains to get there. Kids are so hard on a marriage. Kids are so hard. Um, but I'm at a place right now where, 
you know, I've been, I've been humbled a lot. I've had, um, you know, the universe, it's interesting. Oprah has this really great anecdote where she talks about how the universe, when it's trying to get your attention at first, it's just a little whisper. Mm -hmm. I think we talked about this and then, and then, and and then you don't, you don't pay attention to the whisper because just as that, that's that little voice that you're like, oh, and you justify why you're doing what you're doing, you know, or you make excuses for why you don't need to do what you know you should do. And you just keep going. And then when you don't listen, then the universe kind of throws a brick in your face. And then you still somehow manage to talk yourself out of what you know you need to do. And then eventually your whole world comes colliding down, you know, and your next thing you know, you feel like you've hit your fucking rock bottom. Do you feel like that's happened to you? Yeah. I feel like that's happened to me. Um, you know, in our relationship, I mean, it's, oh my God, it's so convoluted, but yeah, we've been through some rocky moments. We've, uh, separated, we've almost filed for divorce and then we decided not to file for divorce. And then, um, you know, the amount of times we've had to split up and get back together and, you know, but, but I think one of the big things is that you have to come from a place of honesty. And every time we made those moves, they were honest moves. And then to have the courage to say, okay, this doesn't feel right now. I think we should try it again, you know? Um, but one of the most important things that I've learned is that I used to be the kind of person that, um, I was like a, you know, a beast at work, just constant beast mode. I was very vocal with my opinions, um, (laughs) you know, and definitely demanded a certain amount of, uh, contribution from everybody that was around me. Um, but I had a hard time doing that in my personal life. And that's so interesting. Yeah. Really hard time. I think it's because I just wanted, I wanted the home life to be happy. You know, I was like, okay, we have kids. We have this responsibility to create this very comfortable, warm environment. So I didn't want any fights. I didn't want any of the bad stuff. But then ultimately, how did that? Well, that ended up kicking my ass because I should have had the fights, you know? But what I learned from all that stuff is that now it's like I have to speak up. Like, even if my voice shakes and I don't feel like it's the right place or the right time, or we just had the same fight last night. Like I need to bring it up again, you know? And because, or just what I've learned, just whether it's, you know, my classes at the den or all the different stuff I listen to, um, you know, the Abraham Hicks, uh, all of that, you know, Jack Canfield, like every fucking person that I listen to, it all is about staying true to yourself and and it's also about like the vibration. Like it took me a long time to realize, I'm sorry if I'm just rambling. No, no, no It took perfect. me a long time to realize the difference between um, the thoughts you were having, the thoughts you were having and the energy at which you were vibrating. So I was always like, if I was having a shitty day, I'd be like, but I'm fine. I'm fine. Right. I'm fine. I'm fine. <laughs> and as opposed, and, and, but I wasn't, but it's all about vibration. And like one of the things I learned in, in your classes is that, you know, it doesn't, the universe doesn't judge whether you're having a shitty day or a really great day. It's not like the universe is like, oh, the shitty day is bad and the great day is good. They're all your days. They're all your days. Yeah. And not one is any better than the other. So if you're having the shitty day, be like, all right, cool. This is a shitty fucking day and go with the shitty day. And it's all about like acceptance. And, you know, one of the greatest things I learned about from Abraham Hicks, which is why I'm so addicted to her these days, was she's all about the law of least effort. 
And for me, you know, at times it would just take like what I did for so long in my marriage. I put so much effort into trying to make it good. It isn't so interesting because people say that all the time, like, oh, it shouldn't, it shouldn't take so much effort. And look, I think marriage is work. So that's sure. where like we all grapple with is like, wait, but doing the work and make sure and we're considering each other and growing because growing yeah, yeah, takes yeah. effort sometimes. Yeah. But yeah, it's in the, it shouldn't, we should be, you're right. We should be able to express ourselves and have the forum to do so well, and, and give and take on both sides. So here's this interesting thing. I, um, I was on location this summer and I was in Seattle and it was amazing. I hadn't been away from the kids for a long period of time like that. And I felt like I was cheating on my family. I got to go use the bathroom and by myself. I slept in. I read four books. One of the books that I read and, you know, it was one of those things where I talked myself in and out of buying this book so many times at, at the book uh, uh, store in Seattle because it didn't get all the glossy reviews that the other ones had gotten, okay? But I was so attracted to this book cover and I kept, I kept like walking by it. They had it in different places in the store and every, you know, route I took, I just kept going by this book. It's called Cosmic Messages. Have you heard of this book? No. Okay. So really interesting. She talks about, um, first of all, I love the way she breaks down the ego. She talks about the ego and she's like, okay, we always give the ego like a really bad connotation, right? We're like, okay, the ego is like, it's self-motivated, all this stuff, but let's not call the ego the ego. Let's call it the personality because the ego serves a really great purpose too. So our, our ego can protect us. You know, it wants to keep us safe. Great. The soul, let's get into the soul. The soul has one main function on this earth. And that is to grow. So we attract different situations to us that will cause us to grow. And then she talks about how the soul doesn't care whether the growth is like fast or slow or overnight or instant, because I often beat myself up because I'm like, oh man, you know, I was learning so much during the beginning of the year and I was making all these choices and I was like manifesting and all this stuff was (laughs) happening. And now all of a sudden, like nothing is happening and I've settled into my groove and everything is fine and I'm fucking happy. And what's wrong with me now? You know, like why, what, you know, and I'm like, and she was like, you know, the soul looks at life's experiences as like, it's a toy. And like, it's almost like we're these little kids and we take a toy apart and then we're like, oh, okay, well that was fun. Well, let me put it back together and let me see how it works now. Oh, well, it doesn't work the same. Oh, that's interesting. Okay. Let me take it apart now. And so there's no judgment. There's no judgment on whether or not, you know, it happens fast. It happens overnight. We take two steps forward. We take one step back because at the end of the day, it's all going to happen in its right time anyway. You know, so if you, if you really have the belief that the universe has your back for the longest time, I tried to manifest the goddamn movie with Chris Pine. Well, that sure as hell hasn't happened yet. (laughs) So I'm like, maybe a movie with Chris Pine isn't in my best interest, (laughs) but it's like, you know, so just to be able to let it go and be like, you know what I should be manifesting is happiness. Yes. Like happiness, uh, you know, um, freedom, uh, to be at my, you know, highest pure potential self, uh, to constantly be inspired creativity. And that's when it all, that's when everything pours out. That's when every, I mean, look, I look at you, you know, the background that you came from, and then you literally turned on it, you (laughs) turned on it and you went into this and you're more in the limelight now doing this than you ever were before. And it's because I feel like you're truly doing your life's purpose, you know, your happiness. I think that's success. Sorry for the interruption, but I think you guys are going to like this. If you haven't heard already, we're actually going to do Den Talks 
live. Our first one is November 10th. It's with Marianne Williamson. Now, look, we already actually announced this a couple of weeks ago on our closed Facebook group. So tickets have already been sold. So if you want a ticket, go now, get on the website, buy one. She's amazing. It's going to be incredible. It's the same format we do here, a deep one-on-one conversation, meditation, four U's. The good news, if you're there, we're also going to do a Q&A. So hope to see you there. I was just having this conversation. It's like knowing like in a weird way, you are the vessel, you are downloading the information and you are the vessel. And when you can connect to yourself in the purest form, you will be doing the greatest things and you will figure out exactly what your purpose is. And by the way, purpose comes in so many forms. I think everybody's like my purpose and they think it has to be grand. Like everyone's going to be like the mother Teresa. Yeah. It's like, that's not true at all. Like purpose, sometimes it can be the small person like anywhere. Like it could be someone driving a taxi cab. That could be their dharma and that, exactly. their purpose. And that's great. And that could exactly. be helping make the world go around exactly the way it's supposed to, which is why no one can rate or look or think some people are better than others because it means nothing. It means nothing. I have a really great little quote about Mother Teresa I want to tell you. Of course, I'm I'm somewhat paraphrasing this, but you know how, so she was quoted saying something like, um, you know how they say God can't give you more than you can handle? Well, sometimes I wish God wouldn't trust me as much. <laughs> and I thought that was so inspiring. I love um, that. Yeah, no, it's, it's so true to just be open because you never know, you know, what form all that stuff is going to take. I mean, you could spend your whole life insisting, you know, I'm supposed to be this and I'm supposed to be that. What if at the end of the day, your passion is to be a candle maker? You know what I mean? And then you become the biggest candle maker ever. But you have to be open to every, I mean, look, I was really lucky. I had a very strong career and, and, you know, I think it baffled a lot of people sometimes. And people would always be like, oh my God, did you always know you wanted to do this? Did you always know? I'm like, not at all. Like it, it used to actually shock people that whenever someone's like, what's your next step? I'm like, oh, I I don't know. Like right now I'm doing this. Right now I enjoy this. When I stop enjoying and I stop learning, I'll look to see what else is there. But when I look, that means I'm open to all. Because I always said that I'm like, because I don't know where the best next move for me is going to be. And if I pretend I know it now, I'm going to miss it. Yeah. Yeah. And I feel like you have to be really open to life and all possibilities and learning to have, you know, learning to find happiness in the unknown and and enjoying all those moments because that's where all the juice is. That's there's, where all the good stuff is. So there's a couple things. One, there's that great um, Wayne Dyer, although he didn't say it, he got it from one of his um, uh, teachers or uh, what you'll, you'll know better than me, Sir Francis Assisi or? Oh, yeah. yeah. Okay. So he, all, he said, we are not uh, humans having the soulful experience, experience. We are souls having a human experience. And, that's a thousand percent and you know, and that's it. And the other thing is, is you know, I'm I'm in between projects right now. I'm I don't know what I what my next project is going to be. You know, as, as somebody who's constantly like, I haven't stopped working and. I don't know, except just to have babies like over 13 years. <laughs> and, um, you know, I'm, you know, knock on wood. I, I'm very grateful for the position that I'm in. I'm just getting these opportunities and I don't, none of them are speaking to me. And I went into a meeting the other day um, to meet with this big executive and they were like, well, what do you want to do? You know, you have your pick. You want to do this? You want to do that? And I was like, honestly, I don't know. I kind of I got an instant pot. I kind of want to stay at home and like play around with my instant pot recipes. I really don't know. And they thought I was the most charming motherfucker that walked in through that door. And I was like, no, no, no. And my managers called me. They were like, what did you say? Because they're offering you everything. I'm like, I don't want any of it. I really, I really just want to play around with my instant pot. I want to make these artichokes, you know? And so it's just like, it's just a really interesting thing to me because I always thought I had to have the next, the next thing planned. And, you know, as far as I know, 
nothing I have said, you know, very little of what I, I have said or put out has actually happened. But it sounds like you're trusting more now. I'm it trusting like a lot you're, more. You're having a trust in it's all going to work out the way it's supposed to. So it takes away a little bit of that freneticism. It, oh, totally. I mean, you know, I look back on my life and, you know, I was raised by a single mother. I grew up thinking men were evil. I never wanted to get married. I never wanted to have children. Here I am married with <laughs> children. Kids. I never thought the man that I married, I would want to separate from. Then after we separated, never thought I wanted to get back together and then file for divorce and then not file for divorce. I mean, I'm just like, wow, I clearly don't know <laughs> like what's best for me. So how about I just surrender? How about I happens. just give in? And are you happy? Yeah. You know, I've reached this really interesting point. And it's, and like I said, I've, I'm like a different person. If you would have asked me this last week, I'd have been like, <laughs> I'm miserable. <laughs> <laughs> I caught you on a good day. Yeah, you caught me on a good day. But there's something really, like I look at my kids, you know, and I think kids can teach you a lot about yourself. And kids in a way have been my biggest inspirational teachers because my twins are three and a half and having twins was hard. And I remember I'm, I'm friends with Julie Bowen. And she said to me, our, our, her twins and my oldest are the same age. So they went to preschool together. And I remember when she, when I told her I was having twins, she looked at me and she was like, oh, I'm so sorry. <laughs> and I remember thinking, oh my God, what a bitch. Like, I'm so happy. And I, but now in retrospect, oh my, I know exactly what she means and I don't wish it on anybody. Right. So, um, but you know, they're about to be three and a half or they are three and a half and they just started school. And I'm like, wow, these moments are flying by faster than I know. So quick. Like if I'm, if I'm concentrating on trying to find the next gig or the next thing or the next that I'm missing out on so many beautiful moments with these guys, you know? So I just like, they've really taught me a lot about being in the moment, not sweating the small stuff to, you know, so, okay. Abraham Hicks has another great thing. I was listening to this quote on her. By the way, I hope it's okay that I con- I'd like constantly talk about Absolutely. like these YouTube this, things I no, listen to. No, this is what it's about. So she, what I love about her approach is it's so earthy. It's so, she doesn't talk about, you know, um, it's just earthy. Like I can understand the higher lingo and the astral space and the, all the, you know, I can understand that kind of stuff. Um, but I love how simply she lays it out there. So there was a question about how do I become clear about something? Um, you know, like for me, I'm always like unclear. What do I want to do? Do I want to stay married? Do I want to get divorced? What do I want to do? And she was like, well, that's easy. Just focus on what you are clear about. And I was like, what? And she was like, well, if you're unclear about something, you can't reach a place of clarity before you're ready for it. So just focus on what you are clear about. Focus on the lights, these lights, these lights illuminate. They're kind of yellowish. They're warm in temperature. When I turn the light switch off, the lights are going to go off. You focus on what you are clear about. And then when the thing that you're not clear about will become clear. It's like wait, it's like being at a restaurant. And the minute you're sitting there focusing on like, why isn't my food coming? Why isn't my food coming? You go to the bathroom. The minute you go to the bathroom, the food comes. Because again, it's all about like, it's all about a vibration. Yeah. It's all about vibrating at a certain level, you know? 
And control. It's like we all yes. need this sense of control, controlling everything, controlling the answers, controlling the outcome, controlling how we get there. Right. And like ultimately we have no control. And it's like, it's like, it sounds like you're in surrendering and realizing yeah. like I have no control. So let it just be. Let it just be. You I know? mean, that's so beautiful. I gained five pounds this summer tall. Well, you look great. It was amazing. I was going to say, you probably need no, no, no. it. You I look was amazing. Like, I was like, those were five pounds of happiness, bitches. <laughs> I was like, are you kidding me? I postmated it up on location. <laughs> what I was, was your like, thing? Uh, granola. I love that that's your thing. <laughs> <laughs> it, was like, it was like, it was lobster and granola. Like the minute lobster. I discovered, oh, and so I was good. in Seattle. So I literally just ordered like Asahi bowls, like nonstop and lobster. <laughs> <laughs> that's so funny. Lobster and granola. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Find that on the menu yeah, next time. Yeah. Do you feel like just because of some of your past that you're talking about and with your, you know, alcoholic and drug addicted dad and the fact that you even said like you were looking for male approval. Do you feel like there was a lot of codependency stuff you had to like work through? Um, yeah. Like you in know, your relationship, did you feel like you, and it sounds a little bit when you were like, yeah. I always wanted to make it good. And did you feel like you were running around? Oh, I was doing the exact same thing. Yeah. I was doing the exact same thing, you know? And again, I mean, I think, I mean, the more, the deeper I get into this world, into this kind of, this belief system, the more I feel like nothing is by coincidence. I feel like we pick our parents, we pick everything. And, and clearly between the father I pick, the spouse I pick, the man who is the father of my children, um, I definitely needed to work out some issues, you know? And I think that Look, I mean, I'm 38 years old. It's taken me 38 years to get to this place of no, 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 no. I am good enough. My thoughts are valid. My feelings are valid, you know? Um, and to get to a place where, you know, I'm all about quotes. Audrey Hepburn had a I quote. love it, by the way. <laughs> I'm like, I love it. You know, her quote was, you know, speak up even if your voice shakes. And I didn't do that for a really long time. And my relationship and, you know, just things that you need, you know, and, and I'm finally getting to that place where I'm doing it, except now my voice isn't shaking anymore. Now it's full on. This is what I want. This is what I expect. I wasn't very happy when this happened, but here's the flip to that is it doesn't have to be a big deal. We can just talk it out and everything's okay. It's not the end of the world. So did you always kind of feel like if you brought up your voice, it was going to be the end of the world? Yes. 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 And the thing that I'm, you know, one of the things that I'm also learning is, is you can't control what the other person does. So whether it's, you know, your boyfriend, girlfriend, your spouse, your coworker, no matter what it is, you, you, you can't control what the other person does. Nope. The only thing you can control is how you react to them. So if they choose to get upset over something, you don't need to get upset over it. You, you still have, you can still go off and have a glorious day. Mm -hmm. You can still look at a situation and be like, all right, well, that, that's, you know, you can, as is it, okay, that is what it is. And that was shitty and go on. But that's really huge because so many times the way somebody else reacts can right. completely affect your mood, your behavior, how you react. That's right. And so to have the ability to say separate and let someone, by the way, and also give them the space to just react, even if it's insane in your mind or uncalled yeah. for, giving them the space to just be who they are yeah, and to then have the space to say, but that's not me. And I don't have to like go down to that vibration or go down to that level or right. go down to that reaction. It's huge. It's also all about being just superbly transparent in what you need. So that, that, you know, thing, a lot of couples do, we don't go to bed angry. I think that's kind of bullshit. 
only because what a really great sleep can do for me, it oh, can change my perspective. <laughs> so I'd much rather, <laughs> I'd much rather go to bed and be like, okay, we're going to have to agree to disagree tonight. I need to sleep. We'll talk about this in the morning. I'm with you because sometimes I also think separating in some moments, and I just mean even just in the time, like yeah. having an argument being like, time out, go yeah. separate places. And even if it's overnight, let's chat when cooler heads prevail. That's right. Can be life-changing. Because usually for all of us, it's like once your temper or whatever it is, your emotions rise, you have the inability to think clearly. That's right. And if you can like count to 10 or whatever it is, or even just walk out and give yourself a night, it is amazing how you can look at it completely differently and probably actually be able to hear what the other person's trying to tell you. That's right. Even if they're saying it ineffectually, like you could probably start to understand it and hear it. The thing is, and I was talking to a girlfriend today who was going through some relationship stuff and it was like, you know what? Here's the thing. Everything you're feeling is valid and everything he's feeling is valid, you know? And it's like, at some point you both either have to, either you have to accept what's going on and find a way to be truly happy or you need to voice your needs and not worry about, oh, well, if I do this, it's going to upset him but upsetting him is causing you all this pain. So right. who are you serving? You're doing a disservice to him because maybe he needs to hear this in order to grow and you're causing yourself all this pain. Do you feel like it's really changed your guys' relationships since like, come have, do you feel like you've been implementing this stuff? And- huge, huge. And honestly, the things that I'm telling you now, I feel like I've always known, but I was, I never was, it. I wasn't practicing it. You know, I didn't have the, whether it was the courage or the true understanding of it, you know, um, it took me a long time and I think I'm still discovering like, you know, they always, you know, just be you, just be you. What does that mean to just be you? (laughs) You know, I think I'm still like learning that, you know, it's just like, it's all a process. I think it's all just moment to moment new and discovery, you know, but to really be, uh, honest and, and, you know, I was telling my girlfriend today, cause again, she was going, I think as girls, sometimes we put a lot of our feelings second to that of our spouse or boyfriend, girlfriend, whatever. I know I did for the longest time. And it was like, look, you don't, cause she was afraid of sounding like naggy to her boyfriend. Cause she had been bringing up a lot of other issues. And I was like, look, you don't have to do it in this like finger pointing way. Right. You can totally be cutesy about it. You can be like, all right, you know, come here, kid, step into my office. You know, you can be totally cutesy with it or funny with it or sarcastic or just read the tone, you know? Tone is usually everything because usually if you're holding it in, mm-hmm. then even when you say something more benign than what you wanted to say, the tone slips out That's and right. then it has just as bad of an effect than That's if right. you just spoke your mind in a nice way the first That's right. time. That's right. And it is, it's like, again, it's all about vibration. It's like, yeah. if you're building up this frustration, that comment, whatever it is, is going to come out with a vibration that's that's just going to be like cacophony. Like, that's, that's exactly right. Yeah. It all goes back to vibration. I mean, that you know, Abraham Hicks, she had that saying again, where she was like, if you're having a shitty day and you're angry, don't sit there and pretend to be something you're not and manifest all this good stuff because what you're, what you're vibrating is, is not that it's contradictory. So yeah. that's what you'll get. I find sometimes if you're not having a good day and you can just say to yourself, like, I'm just in a shitty place. Like, I don't know. Yeah. When you honor where you are, it always does better. And it, and then it passes through a lot faster. Yeah. You know, a, another another good one that I kind of got recently is I don't remember what happened, but something happened and I didn't speak up for myself. And I was superbly angry at the other person for what they did. And I couldn't let it go. I could not let it go. And then all of a sudden, I think it was in in one of the classes at the den. And I was just like, it was in, you know, like a meditation. And I was like, and it was just a pure aha moment. And I was like, oh, I'm not angry at what they did. 
yeah, I'm angry at myself because I didn't stand up for myself. And I was like, oh my gosh, that's what this lesson is about. And I was like, oh, okay. Well, now that I acknowledge that, first of all, it made me feel so much better. And I was like, well, then thanks God for this little reminder, because the next time this happens, I'm not going to be quiet anymore. You know, it's funny. I try and think about that a lot. If I'm having any moments of like severe, like frustration, right. Or if I'm having those days, sometimes I have that day and I'm like, what's really going on? Like right, I right, will right. really actually stop and be like, what is happening? What are you reacting to? And why is it bothering you? Because right. almost always it has something to do with myself more yeah. than anybody else. It's not the external. It's always internal. Always. And we the, create the external, you know, that's. Yes. And the more we blame the external, we're just getting further and further from our truth and ourselves and our essence, which goes back to everything you're saying. That's right. I mean, this is such an amazing conversation. Um, am I correct in that you talk to yourself a lot? Yeah, I do. <laughs> Have you been caught doing it ever? Um, have I been caught? Uh, no, I have not been caught. I mean, I did when I was a kid, but no. And and basically where that comes from is, you know, my life is so chaotic between a nine-year-old, three-year-old twins, uh, you know, work, my husband, just all that stuff. I never get moments of silence. And when I do get those moments of silence, sometimes you know, the first place I go is I just want to, I just want to close my eyes and just meditate for a second and just try to think absolutely nothing, not even meditate on anything. Just, just have nothing go through my mind, which feels amazing. Right. And then the other thing, um, is sometimes I need to work shit out and it's hard for me (laughs) to work shit out in my mind. I need to say it out loud. I need to talk to myself. So like, how do you do it? So I usually, this usually (laughs) happens in the car. This usually happens in the car. Um, and I just turn off, you know, my music and I roll my windows up and I'm just like, okay. Um, all right. So what happened today? I was like, well, you know, this was shitty or that was shitty. The twins really irritated me. I needed to do this. And I just, I just will go through the day and say, all right, well that, you know, either what can we do differently? And I always say we, because it's not just me. And, um, I don't know. I feel like, you know, the surrender, me, me surrendering that and learning that I'm trying to control too much. I needed to surrender. That happened in a moment of me talking to myself. I was, uh, I don't remember what I was driving home from, but, um, yeah, I was like, well, nothing has gone the way you wanted it to. What do you think about your, all the different things you're trying to put out there? What do you think about your manifestations? Cause <laughs> why was, do you think Chris Pine's not, happening? why do you think you're not booking <laughs> the movie with Chris Pine? You haven't even fucking auditioned for a movie with Chris Pine. I was like, you know, I've, I've written out to like the, the dollar sign, how much money I want to make and the movies I want to get and the roles and where I want it to shoot and the locations and the kind of house I want even had a visualization board. I was like, you've done all of it. Why isn't it happening? And I was like, well, you clearly don't know what the fuck is good for you. That's what it is. You know? And so it was just like, you need to just give in already. Just surrender. I mean, you're so lucky to have that moment. Some people never get that. Well, I hope by having this talk, like we can inspire people (laughs) to just, just talk, you know, whether it's talk to yourself or just give in or whatever it is, you know, to just. Because I really do think when people get really, it's my one problem with visualization boards and they're not bad. People do them all the time. It works for them. So I'm not saying that, but for me, is I sometimes feel like if people put too much specific thought into exactly what they want and how they want it, they might be they might be missing getting the bigger thing around it. Right. You know, I mean, for, I've said this before here too. It's like being a parent when I was struggling and struggling getting pregnant. And I remember saying to myself, 
I can be a mom. Like I'm going to be a mom. I have to be not attached to how that's going to happen. And I always have to remember, and I give this advice to every woman who's struggling. I'm like, remember, if you want to be a mother and that is what's important to you, it's going to happen. So let go and don't worry and go through whatever journey you have to go through as far as you want to do. But remember that will happen. And I, I take that in a broader sense of like, success can still happen. You can still have this and all these things you want, but the house might not look like you said the way you want, or maybe it shouldn't be where you think it's going to be. Right. And I do think people get so tied up in like those specificities that they actually forget, no, no, what is the love and the passion and the desire behind all of that? That's right. You know what I mean? Yeah, because I think those things are, those material things are egocentric, Yeah, you know? And, you know, honestly, sometimes I get confused about it because I'm like, but then I I hear that you're supposed to like, you know, write down. Well, that's why I'm saying for some people it really works. The more specific you are, it can happen. And that's what I'm saying. I'm not talking against it. For me, I've always been, I've just, the way my thought process has always worked, I've been like, but what is it I'm really striving for? Like what's the broad, if I had to like keep backing up, like back up, back up, back up, what is that broader thing? Because I'm like you, right. There could be a way that's going to come in that I don't even know how to think about it. Exactly. I don't even know it exists yet, or I don't know what it looks like. And so what a shame if I don't get that chance because I'm like, my visors are on too tight. That's right. That's right. So, yeah, but like so I think you're like, it's so lucky that you've had that moment of like, okay, clearly I don't know what's good for me. Yeah. Let yeah. Me, let me let go and see what's good for me. Yeah. 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 I love that you talk to yourself. Yeah. Okay. Let's do your four use. This is a perfect time. So I'm going to ask you four questions, four takeaways for the audience. Okay. Favorite book. Oh my goodness. There's I know, so and you're many. a reader. I'm a reader, reader. Um, like she doesn't watch TV type reader. No. Okay. Uh, there's like so many ties. Okay. Um, many lives, many masters blew my mind. Oh, that book changed my blew course of my thinking. mind. Um, another one, uh, cosmic messages. I talked about that. I was really into that. Um, cause it also took it another, it was like angels and mess, you know, I like, you know, all, all that stuff. It was just great. Um, spirit guides. Um, and another one, uh, now let me just get like non whatever, um, non-spiritual minded. Um, one day was a really great book. Um, let's see. Time Traveler's Wife. I still hold that up as one of my all-time That's favorites. A beautiful book. All-time favorites. Um, what's another one? I just got a Western. I'm really excited about that one. A Pulitzer Prize. It was called Into the Distance. Um, let's see. I, c- I could go on and on I know. About you were a books. huge like, reader, That was like, amazing. Okay, okay. Current obsession. Um, what is my current obsession? Could be anything. A person, a thing. Yeah, a study, yeah, yeah. A drink, a food. Yeah. A practice. Uh, anything pumpkin-related. I love that. Yeah. Are you one got, of those Starbucks pumpkin I, coffee I've people? Got, I've got, yeah, I've got my pumpkin coffee. <laughs> I just bought a whole bunch of pumpkin candles. Um, I've got this magazine on all pumpkin recipes. You are in a pumpkin phase. Just all pumpkin. The right season for it. Yeah. Um, what's a meditation that you love? Um... Okay, there's a couple. One, I really love uh, the Buddhist um, Nom Myoho Renge Kyo. Really, really love that. I love how it sounds. Like, Nom Myoho Renge Kyo. Like, I just, <laughs> nom, 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 nom. I just love how it sounds because you, your body just vibrates even as you say those words. That's beautiful. Um, and so that's one. And then I like listening to a lot of guided stuff on, you know, like I'm really into Abraham Hicks right now. So pretty much she can do no, no wrong. wrong. Um, that, yeah. And then just trying to, trying to get into that nothing space. I had a really great moment here at the den where you had a teacher, his name was Jason and, uh, it was like the lunchtime detox. And he, he was like, Hey, go into the meditation. He was like, now go deeper. And I literally remember that movie, get out. Yeah. Where, okay. Catherine Keener. 
you kind of sound like her, by the way. I do. I, I, I don't know. There's something. There's like you've, there's a raspiness. <laughs> oh, and I, the worst. I, I, no, I love it. I love it. But when she's like, when she looks at, I don't know if you saw that, but she's like, you're in the sunken place. And I, when he said like, go deeper, I just like, I dropped something in me dropped, and I saw nothing but this big expanse levels of like black and deep and like nothingness. Um. Uh. So yeah. So just trying to do nothing. Trying to do nothing. Which is not easy. I'm for so anybody. tired tall of like controlling and trying to always figure shit out that I'm in this big phase of wanting to do nothing. Isn't it like, and isn't it funny how in the past you might have construed that as like laziness? 100%. I always find that too. I get in moments of like, I just need to hibernate right now. I need to do this. And now I'm at, like, now we label it a little more self-care. Sure, 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 sure. <laughs> but exactly. Like, but in the past, I would have been like, get your lazy ass up. What the fuck are you doing? It, right, right. But you know, it's, but it's one of those things that's like, maybe we needed to do that. We needed to do that to get to the place that we are now so we can be lazy. <laughs> yeah. True. Um, what's the first thing you do when you wake up? So my morning routine is quite jarring and uh, nobody wants this, <laughs> but I wake up to the sound of two three-year-olds. Um, it almost sounds like, you know, Robert De Niro and come out, come out wherever you are. You know, it's like, it sounds um, demented, but it's, it's Knox and Violet uh, throwing their doors open, just screaming, mom, mommy, where are you? Mommy, where are you? I don't see you. <laughs> and so I'm just, you know, and it, it ranges anywhere from, you know, six to seven in the morning. And, um, and I still, they, they're, they're still in diaper, like nighttime diapers. So I have to stay up till like 12 or one to kind of change them. So anyway, it's just a disaster. It, and, it is so fast. I mean, having kids, change, young kids really. It changes everything. And it's hard because when everyone's like, what's about your practice? I'm like, the young kid thing is actually really difficult because yeah. you do, you have to just keep backing up when you wake up in order to have any time for yourself. Yeah. Which can be hard. Yeah. Um, you have been amazing to talk to. Oh, Thank you I for love being this. So open. I mean, you've said so many incredible things. Do you feel like you have a piece of life advice you'd give anyone? Oh man, <laughs> you know, there's, you know, because of all the different uh, transformations that I have felt, uh, especially most recently in my life, I, you know, there are times when I feel like my life, whether it couldn't go worse or I couldn't feel more hopeless, there's a great quote, and I don't know who said it, but it literally was. Um, the caterpillar thought it was the end of the world until it became a butterfly. And I just, I look at that. I remind myself of that. Um, you know, just to know that, okay, it, this could be a quote, ugly phase, but it doesn't mean the most beautiful thing isn't around the corner. And there's another great one. I told you I'm full of quotes. I quotes. love that you are because her personal practice is going to be a quote. Too. My personal. Okay. So, um, my Angelou had this really awesome quote and, um, she was talking to Oprah. By the way, you know, you could have done a quote calendar already. I feel like you've had I so guess many. I could have. <laughs> I don't know. But um, um, she talked about sort of the strength. She was talking about the strength between ancestry and how we're always so connected to all the lives before us and everything. And she said, you know, I, uh, I stand here as one, but I come as many. And that was so That's incredible beautiful. to me. So, it's so true. We, yeah. we bring a lot with us. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you for this. I feel like there's so much out there for, I mean, it's really relatable and, and you were just an open book and I appreciate oh, that. Oh, well, I thank you. I thank you for putting this out there for the community, oh, for me, especially. You. I actually have a little gift for you. Ooh. I do. Um, so stay tuned because she is going to do a personal practice as well. Thanks, Sarah. Now Sarah's going to do her personal practice and she's going to share a quote by Maya Angelou. 
when Maya Angelou was just a few years um, before she she passed, Oprah had asked her if she felt like she had it all figured out. And she said, well, I'm wiser than I was last year. And it's just such a reminder um, that, you know, this thing called life uh, is such a... Um, is such a journey. Uh, no matter what happens to us, no matter what transformations we go through, um, to just constantly remember that we're evolving, we're growing, to be kind to ourselves. Um, you know, change is not bad. And uh, if anything, we're wiser than we were last year. Ted Talks is produced by Mike Burns, Nicole Rappi, Reem Edon, and music is by Alex Fetter. If you haven't subscribed, please do. And also wherever you listen, please go and leave us a review. It's so greatly appreciated. It really does help us out. If you want to keep talking about all this stuff, please join our community on our secret Facebook page. Go to Facebook, search Den Talks Podcast, and join us there.